0: To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, and to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The Word of God upon which we base our message on this uh, second Sunday after the Epiphany is the gospel for today. You heard it read before from John chapter 2. I recall just these words. Jesus said to them, pour some and take it to the person in charge. The servers did as they were told. The person in charge tasted the water that had become wine. He didn't know where it had come from. Although the servers who had poured the water knew. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who during this epiphany season we remember as true man and true God, my beloved. It's a simple story about a wedding reception. A bride and groom ran out of wine, and they were going to be embarrassed and red-faced. But Jesus was there and so he epiphanized himself. He revealed that in attendance was not just a man but Emmanuel God with us. And there he demonstrated his power and his compassion and his humility. And he did so easily What is completely impossible to replicate with human technology, he changed water into wine instantaneously. The inorganic to the organic. A mineral liquid to a vegetable liquid. What a wedding gift for a young couple. I mean, wedding receptions back then lasted for seven days. That would have been a whole lot of time without wine. But if you look beneath the surface, you'll see that there were other recipients of Jesus' wedding gift. I think you know this story. In attendance was Jesus' mother Mary and Jesus and some of his recently called, although not officially called, disciples. Perhaps five or six were there. It makes you think that it was almost an open invitation reception for the whole town. I mean, bring your friends along, too. Ever go to a wedding reception? I'm sure you have. Now, except for the music of the DJ, where some of us have to use earplugs, as a pastor, I like to attend, especially when I officiate because then I can work with the uh, couple before the wedding uh, for the counseling and for planning the wedding service. But then you know, there's all those other details, you know, the tuxedos and the dresses and the invitations and the food and the hall and uh, the rehearsal and the day of the ceremony and everybody's all nervous and then the ceremony is over. And now you can relax with your family and friends. Even at wedding receptions today, for the most part, wine is still pretty much a big deal. I mean, you come into the hall, and a lot of times there's a carafe of wine waiting for you there on the table, reserved for the main event of the meal, the toast. In Old Testament times and in Jesus' day, wine was a symbol of God's grace a symbol of joy and abundant blessing and even hope for the future. The psalmist in Psalm 104 says, wine that gladdens the heart of man. And Joel, talking about our future in heaven, in his prophecy says, on that day new wine will cover the mountains. Wine is precious and it's expensive. Probably cheaper today than way back in Jesus' day. Uh, My brothers and sisters-in-law had an opportunity years ago to uh, visit Italy, and we stayed in a villa in the middle of a vineyard. So you got to talk to uh, some of the vintners. In order to uh, produce wine, you know, you have to have just the right soil. You can't grow wine everywhere. And then you put that uh, vine in the ground, a little one. uh, It's not going to produce any grapes for at least three years, and then they might even not be wine quality. And of course, you have to prune the vines, and uh, then there's the harvest, and then you have to crush the grapes and strain them, and back in Jesus' day, all by hand, and then you have to bottle them, not in glass bottles, but in skins, and you have to go through the aging process, no mass production. It was an expensive commodity. And so there it was at Cana, out of wine whether it was uh, poor planning or because it was an open invitation and more people from the city came, we really don't know. But they were out of wine. The end result, a wedding gift for a would-be embarrassed couple. St. John tells us that there were six stone jars there uh, amongst the people. Not clay jars had to use stone jars for those uh, purification uh, religious rituals of the Jews that God had given them in the Old Testament, washing their hands all the time. Each pot contained eh, probably about 30 gallons. So if you had six, that's 180 gallons. That's a lot of water. That's a lot of wine. You might say the equivalent to be would be today uh, four 55-gallon drums. But as I said before, there were other recipients of this wedding gift of Jesus. Mary, Jesus' mother, sitting next to him said, They're out of wine. Mary probably was pretty good friends with the family because she got this uh, intimate detail that they ran out. They're out of wine. An indirect request by Mary of Jesus I'm sure Mary is Jesus' mother by now. She knew that he had power to do something. But then there's Jesus' answer, and it kind of, sounds kind of harsh. Why did you come to me? My time has not yet come. Sounds harsh. really isn't. What Jesus was telling his mother was, you know, our relationship between mother and son is going to now have to pale into insignificance as far as our relationship as sinner to Savior. The creator now is going to take over. And he's going to do things according to his own time and in his own way. Mary made a request and then she listened. And what first of all sounded like no was in reality a yes. What an insignificant problem to bring to Jesus. Uh, Imagine, though, if you could get on some spaceship, you know, and be shuttled out to the International Space Station and then look down to planet Earth. And maybe you could begin to theorize in your mind, oh, my goodness, on that planet down there, there's gazillions of problems, large and small, global and insignificant. In that context, how big of a problem is someone at a wedding running out of a beverage? How about your prayer request to Jesus? Mary went to Jesus unafraid of what response there might be. Jesus' words to his disciples, And I will do whatever you ask in my name. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. And how dare you ever trivialize those words by praying so timidly rather than boldly. The Apostle James says, You have not because you ask not. Your problems... If it's important to you, it's important to Jesus. Mary made her request. It sounded like a no answer, but in reality it was a yes. Mary told the servers, do whatever he says, whatever he asks. Again, it sounds like Mary was a good friend of the family because the servers had respect for her. Now Jesus turned his attention to those six stone water jars And he tells the servers, fill the jars with water. Remember listening to that in Sunday school. Say, Oh, yeah, that's really nice. That was a whole lot easier said than done, you know. Where was the nearest well? They didn't have garden hoses back then, you know, fill it all up. You had to go to the well. One water bag at a time. That's 200 gallons. A lot of manpower, a lot of time. They listened to Jesus and they filled the pots. Jesus said, Now pour some out and take it to the person in charge. What? Take water to the person in charge? They listened and they did what they were told. Alice wondered, When did the water change while it was still in the pots? Or after they poured it out into a little jug and took it to the the person in charge. Did it change then? I don't know. It's a mystery. He tasted the wine. And he he said, why didn't you save the best for last? I love verse 9. The person in charge didn't know where it had come from. Although the servers who had poured the wine knew, they listened to Jesus and they saw what happened. Even though you don't always understand, listen to Jesus and see what happens. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust can destroy, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Do not worry about life, what you shall eat or drink. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. So in everything... Do to others what you would have them do to you. Listen to Jesus and see what happens. St. John tells us in verse 11, this was a place where Jesus began to perform miracles. Actually, uh, the word that John always uses is sign, a miraculous sign. A sign is an event that makes known the presence of God. And the purpose of Jesus' signs was never to bring a wow factor, but simply to lead people to faith and to obedience. John also says this is the place where Jesus first made his glory public. Glory is a word always indicating the presence of God. Sometimes it was the fire and lightning and smoke on the top of Mount Uh, Sinai, Uh, it was that bright light with Jesus on Mount of Transfiguration. It was God coming down in the uh, form of a dove. His glory on this occasion, changing water into wine. An act that only God can perform. And the result was exactly what Jesus wanted. The disciples believed in him. I just love it the way that uh, after this. Then John, winding down his gospel later on in chapter 20, says, Jesus performed many other miraculous signs that his disciples saw. Those miracles are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Jesus performed a sign and he saved a young couple from embarrassment, changed water into wine. Mary asked and then she listened. The servers listened and then they saw. The disciples saw and they believed. And those were really the best wedding gifts. But you know, you and I still have even better wedding gifts to come. Waiting for us in uh, that wedding banquet, the, the wedding between the lamb and his bride, the church, you and me. Isaiah, looking forward to that day, says, On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich foods for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best meats and the finest wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove the people's disgrace from all the earth the Lord has spoken. In that day, they will say, Surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. This is the Lord. We trusted in him. Let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Jesus changed water into wine. He saved the best for last. But then again, isn't that what he always does? Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. Just listen to Jesus and see what happens. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We take this time to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards.